This week on Florida's Fourth Estate, a cruise ship tips and causes sheer panic before it ports in Florida. We had to like hold on to the things in our cabin to get us to the door. It was terrifying. And a sleepy retirement community gets a wake-up call from a monster gator. Gator's track can run at 30 miles an hour. And my golf cart only goes 20 miles an hour. <laughs> so do the math. <laughs> we, we could have been gator bait. Plus, our guest this week. She was brought to Florida at only 10 years old, once considered illegal. Now, she's known as a DACA recipient. What life is like keeping a strict secret from even your closest friends? One of the first things I learned when I came to this country, I remember my mom telling me, he's like, you can't tell anyone. We're undocumented. Uh. Hello and welcome to another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. My voice is back this week, much to the chagrin of Ginger and my wife. Yeah, a lot of people are sad <laughs> your voice is back. Uh, Matt Austin, we're happy your voice is back. I'm Ginger Gadsden. She always calls me Matt Austin. I do. Know. That's we have such a good relationship. Hey, Matt Austin. You know we're real we're real <laughs> casual around here. We got a great show for you. We got some amazing stories. Uh, you know, amazingly Florida. Like what Did that really happened? Did you really bring a grenade launcher on a plane? Yeah. Oh, now you gave so, it away. I know. We'll get to it. Come on. We'll come get on. to it in a minute. We also have a fantastic guest. We really do. We've been uh, getting to know her a little bit, <laughs> and you are a fascinating young lady, Mariana. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for being here today. And we're going to talk about, and we just learned a lot of different terms from you. We talk about DACA and we talk about dreamers and we use them interchangeably. And a little bit later on, you're going to explain probably why that's not the best idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, yeah of course. Thank you all for having me. Oh, yeah. we're so glad to have you. So excited to talk about some things. Uh, my mind is open just from talking to her, just getting yeah. into college. How do you do that I when know. you're a DACA recipient? Yeah. So fascinated to hear it from somebody who's experiencing and, and what it's like in this political climate mm -hmm. these days. It should be fascinating. want to start, though, with a story about a cruise ship. Oh, my goodness. What happened on this thing? Yeah. Have you ever been on a cruise? I have been on two cruises. I've only been on one. And if this were my first cruise, I wouldn't go Never back. Never again. Ever. Well, yeah. my second cruise, I was violently ill. So <laughs> that was probably my last cruise. This one, though, is crazy. There was this rogue freak wind that basically T-boned this cruise ship. And when it did, this giant cruise ship, it's the Norwegian Escape, lists you yeah. know what they say it lists it leaned over onto its side and here's how extreme it was let's hear from some of the people who were on that ship i was like oh man this is not good this is not good <laughs> uh, we were scared we had to climb out of our cabin because the ship was leaning so much right as i opened the door i saw a wave just coming at us it was crazy we had to like hold on to the things in our cabin to get us to the door it was terrifying I feel like they were going to say, I reached out and grabbed an octopus on my <laughs> And wrote it. <laughs> they released the Kraken. I mean, that there was one person who said water was coming into their room and their cabin, and they were on the 15th deck. 15 stories. It, it probably is higher than that, but they were on the 15th. That's insane. That's that like really tsunami. Is. It, well, it holds like 6,000 people, so it's like a small town just yeah. floating out to sea. And they think this rogue wave or wind was like 
hurricane force, like 100 miles per hour. Yeah, they were saying in the article 100 knots. That's crazy. More than 100 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah. And people, when they ported in Port Canaveral, there were like nine ambulances waiting there to take oh, folks yeah. who were injured. Nobody, I don't think there were too many serious injuries. Yeah, thank I mean, It depends on what your idea of a serious injury is, like shattered ankle. Well, they continued on leg. with the cruise. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm going to make my yeah. home here now. And no more rogue <laughs> winds for me. This is where I live I'm going to hang out in Orlando <laughs> for a while. You can go into cruise ship so um I'm a little glad at this point. Right, exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> can you not go on a cruise ship? Well, I can't leave the country, which is, you know, where oh, most cruise yeah. ships take you. Oh, so. my gosh. You take a cruise to, like, New Jersey. I could. I could. Why? Not anymore Why? after Why? this. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even realize that, but now I get it. Okay, so another crazy story is... You know, when people are bent on doing something, committing a crime, you think that they are in it to win it. There's this guy in Pensacola. He had the SWAT team. There was a SWAT standoff with this guy for four hours. They were trying to negotiate with him, trying to, it's like, hey, you know, it's not that bad. Come on out. We can talk and let's get, let's, you know, let's make nice. You know what got him out after four hours? They offered him a slice of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> this guy sounds a lot like me. <laughs> and it was fine. He said, okay. And it wasn't just any pizza. It was... Thin crust? No. It, yeah, what are we well, talking about? I don't know. It was hungry. Did it have, like, the cheese in the dough? It was, I, no, I don't even know if it was great pizza, but Hungry Howie's. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I'm not so ending a standoff for you Hungry <laughs> Howie's. No. Maybe some Marcos? Oh. Give me some mellow mushroom? I'll end it. It's <laughs> so some barbecue sauce on top. But that's yeah. all it took. And look, he looks so sad because I think the end of the story is he didn't even really get the pizza. They just kind of had it. And like, yeah, it's but, almost like if I had, you know, a treat for my dog, Cinnamon. It's like, here you go, girl. So you're telling me there was like a <laughs> dude out, like a cop out eating some pizza. And he's like, I'll tell you, you what, what, you give me one slice of that. And, and I'll end all of it's this. It's fine. I feel like after four hours, he was just exhausted and hungry can, and tired. Can I tell you what offended me the most about this? Uh, <laughs> this Florida man. Apparently, he was threatening his family, texting oh. them Coldplay lyrics. Okay. You wanna, now, now you've done it. My family ever gets texted Coldplay <laughs> lyrics by me. You better know the end is that. near. All right? Because that will terrible. never happen. That's awful. That's a threat. What do you have against Coldplay? I don't know, man. Everybody, Nobody likes Coldplay. I like Coldplay. <laughs> I went to her concert twice. Okay. Wrong, wow. wrong right. crowd. This podcast is over. <laughs> wrong crowd. My brother Sorry. is the one who introduced me to them. So. All right. Oh, okay. no, no, I think my wife likes Coldplay anyway, but yeah. we just don't She's talk smart about it like that. anymore. Okay, so <laughs> that figures it. You would like Coldplay as I'm bashing them. All right. Uh, let, tell me about Larry the Gator, will you? Oh, gosh. I forgot about Larry. Uh, you know, Florida, we are no strangers to alligators here. Mm -hmm. But there was this, he's no, he's like a celebrity in the villages, which is, is that Lake County? I think it's Lake County, Florida. Yeah. And this ginormous gator is just, people see him, they get out of his way. Let's listen to what they had to say about Larry the Gator. Gator's track can run at 30 miles an hour. <laughs> and my golf cart only goes 20 miles an hour. <laughs> so do the math. <laughs> we, we could have been gator bait. <laughs> Look, I hate to break this to you. Larry ain't running 30. No, okay, I that's mean, a more spry well, little gator. Mm, that looks like Larry had a good, solid meal, so Larry wasn't interested in anyone <laughs> after that. We can't get a gauge on how big Larry is, but any they estimate anywhere from, like, 10 to 12 feet. I mean, he's look big. at him. He's, he's husky. Look at the gullet He's on not him. even scared. 
Why would you be? Would you be scared if you were a Tyrannosaurus Rex I, walking I, around I the golf club? I know club? that is insane. But he's a local celebrity. He lives in one of the lakes there, and they just get out of his way if you can with your golf cart. Just skedaddle and leave Larry alone. Yeah. I like that they've named him Larry. Anytime just... you name an animal a human name, I'm going to be good with it. Yeah, it's my, unless it's coming after you. And For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that. That's why I don't golf. Oh, really? It's now time for our Floridians <laughs> oh, gosh. of the week. And I've got a good, juicy one for you today. They're always good. They're always good. When you go to pack your bag and head to the airport, are you weighing out your little, little three ounces? Gels? Yeah. You want to make sure the perfume isn't yeah. too, Check. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget your grenade launcher. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let me show you a picture of the thing this guy thought was okay to put in his bag. And now... The grenade launcher apparently is legit. The grenade, which was packed with this, is a replica. He had taken it apart, and he thought, hey, since I have checked this in my checked bag, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be okay. I'm, I think it's going to sail right through security. That was wow. not the case, my friend. Wow, you had me at grenade. He was trying to come into, this is a Florida man, went up to Pennsylvania, picked Coming up. Coming through Sanford, right? Yeah, picked up that rocket-propelled grenade launcher. <laughs> Was heading through the Sanford, uh, was trying to get to the Sanford. Apparently, he actually He made got, his flight. He made his flight. They were like, hey, listen. Without the launcher. We just can't give you your grenade launcher, but you can go. But I understand his reasoning. It's not a carry-on. So he wasn't going to just like, hey, can I just sit this right next to me? <laughs> he thought if he checked it. You know, I took a trip recently, and I was trying to, for no particular reason, carry my taser. And... <laughs> They this said, is the kind of person well. we're dealing with right here. <laughs> and they were like, well, I use it at, when I walk my dog at night. I walk with, it's a flashlight and a taser. Yeah. And so there, you cannot, it says there when you're checking in, these are the banned items and taser was on there. And I was like, oh, okay. So I called my husband. I'm like, I'm not throwing this away. He's mm -hmm. got to come back and get it. So I, I, I get it. I thought I could have checked it as well. But yeah. I feel like. Grenade launcher is probably not on the list of banned items because you should just know. I agree. And I think that, like, if I had to pick what I would hope a terrorist would use on a plane, I would hope it, they would have to assemble their grenade launcher right next to me. That way I would have some you time. You see what's happening. To choke them out or something. <laughs> you know, at least they have to assemble it. It's, it's well, pretty obvious. Like, yeah. okay, everybody, uh, freeze. Getting help from the other passengers. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. just hold this. Anyway, it didn't work out. No, it didn't. That's our Floridian of the week. It's sad. It's a good one. I know. It keeps us employed. That it does. All right. So Mariana Castro, <laughs> DACA recipient. Now we're going to talk to you about an issue. Everybody always talks about this issue. It is rare when you talk to someone who is actually impacted in America. Last number I heard, 700,000 DACA recipients. Yeah, 800,000 are 800, on that 000 000 I mean, now. probably less now because people can't go into the program anymore. So the program is closed, uh, but for people who are already in this program... We can renew every can two years renew or every two, years. two, three years, depending. So tell us just your history. How? Mm -hmm. What happened with your parents? Why did they come to the United States? How did they get here? Tell us how all this started. Yeah, so me and my mom came here uh, 2005, um, September 1st, 2005, and it was just me and my mom. Um, we left the rest of our family behind. My mom had a shop, and... Uh, crime in Peru was really high. My brother uh, was working in the mines. He was facing terrorism. He, you know, could barely finish his degree because terrorists were on the mine where, you know, he had to work. Um, and my mom decided to uh, come back and forth for a couple of years uh, to work because we did have some family here who had uh, won lottery visas. And uh, my mom found that, hey, the amount of money we we're making, she was making here was more substantial. Uh, 
for us and for our whole family than what she was making in Peru. My parents were uh, getting a divorce, um, and you know she had lost her job because she had lost her shop. It was kind of like a similar to a Walgreens, and. Um, people were just you know came in and took all the medicine took everything from there so we were left with nothing and she thought that at the time the opportunity was for him for her to come to the United States and you know I'm a mama's girl so I was like yes I have to go with you and um, we left both of my brothers behind and my dad and her whole huge family behind um, so it was uh, I believe harder on my mom at that point than on me I was uh, when I say 10 years old um, and you know we came here we first came to Jacksonville then we moved to Orlando and I've been living in Orlando ever since went to school here, went to Celebration High School, actually. I also went to Cypress Creek and Freedom High, but I mostly claim Celebration High. And then I, uh, DACA came along in um, 2012, and I remember sitting at church. Um, and at this point, I, I had already given up on college. I was in the IB program uh, at Cypress at the time, and every time you would look up, you know, uh, all right, I'm undocumented. And at that point, I had found out I was undocumented. How do I go about college? It would tell me, like, oh, you have to pay out of state tuition, and it's going to be about $40,000. And I was like, well, my mom makes about 20000 so... I don't really, oh, okay. yeah, the that, numbers the really was wasn't there yeah. for me. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then um, at the beginning, the summer uh, going into my senior year, I remember sitting at church and my teacher, uh, my church teacher told us that oh. Obama had just passed uh, this executive order that would allow like undocumented students to be able to go to college. Um, that's kind of how she framed it, or, you know, a relief from deportation. And I was like, you know, sitting there, I'm like, yeah, that's me. Where do I sign up? Um, and, uh, you know, I called my mom. She's like, yes, I've been calling you, but you're in charge. And, you know, we talked to our lawyer, and we applied, I think, a day after you could apply, that's we applied. It, it was yeah. like August 12th, sure. and I was there with my lawyer, like, <laughs> August 12th, and we applied, and I, was, I received DACA um, maybe two months before graduating uh, high school. And, you know, it was perfect timing because I could actually drive to my IB exams. So pretty cool. <laughs> um, I got my license. And so then, you weren't allowed, you couldn't drive before that. Right. Because how do you get a driver's right, license? Right. So we didn't, I couldn't apply for um, free and reduced lunch. I couldn't drive. I couldn't apply to any, um, anything that came as an aid from the federal or state level. Okay, so can I just ask you a quick question? Because mm -hmm. you're in high school, you know, and you're just trying to be a typical high school student. And you obviously have friends and you're a good student. Knowing that that's your status, what is it, was it like for you every day? Were you just on pins and needles or did your friends, your friends obviously had to know what your situation was. I just, you know, you wake up every day and you just never know. So mm -hmm. what, I mean, how were you able to even be a really good student and have that in the back of your mind at all times? Well, one, one thing that you mentioned, you know, whether my friends knew or not, most of them did not um, because it's, you know, one of the first things I learned when I came to this country, I remember my mom telling me, he's like, you can't tell anyone. We're undocumented, uh. or you know, though we're we overstayed our visa, and you know, I was like, not even my teacher. And she was like, no, your teacher shouldn't ask you because you know it's technically illegal for them to do so. And so I went on, just you know, if they asked me, hey, why don't you have a car? Or why aren't you getting your driver's license? I'm like, you know what, insurance is too high. I, my mom is uh, 
Yeah. Which is true. Insurance is very scary. high. Yeah, I exactly. don't know. Yeah. Um, different stories, uh, you know, to try to hide away. Um, but it, interesting that we talked about the cruise ship. One of my really good friends, uh, his family invited me on to go to the screw uh, to go to the Bahamas, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, and they were like, we'll pay for you, blah blah. I used to tutor their kids, so you know, they I was part of the family. And um, and I was like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> and then they were like, why? I get seasick. <laughs> uh, what, what did you tell them? I think after a while they realized I was like, I just can't. Yeah. Because um, I'm like, we're paying for everything. Like, why can't you go? Or yeah. I think summer break or something. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I just can't do it. And then I, uh, there is my best friend's family, and I, you know, talk to them, mm-hmm. and they were formally undocumented. Um, or, um, or yeah, they had a, they they were firmly undocumented, so they understood what I was going through, and they uh, from that moment on, um, mm-hmm. and this was uh, the Madrid family in, in Orlando, Florida. Um, they took me in. They would take me to my doctor's appointments. They would take me to my dentist appointments. They would pick me up from basketball practice, soccer practice, whatever, um, because my mom couldn't. My mom also couldn't drive, yeah. so. Um, there was times where I remember there was one particular time, this time I was at Freedom High, that I was in the basketball team and I didn't have a ride home, no one could pick me up, and I was like, that's, I'm um, not sure if you're familiar with the district, but Freedom High is in OBT, um, and I had to walk all the way to Hunters Creek, and I was like, well, it's gonna be a, a long, a long, <laughs> a long, long walk. Long track, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, some random like students like saw me walking, I was like, basically crying because I was so sad that I had oh to walk God, home sure. and they're like are you okay do you need a ride I'm like actually I do <laughs> I just jumped on this car and they took me home well this whole story makes me nervous <laughs> as a dad of daughters I know I know but I was just, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt your story but I was just wondering because you're just trying to be a regular mm-hmm. you know kid in high school but you have the secret mm-hmm. sort of it, yeah. sounds, it does sound yeah. stressful yeah, yeah. Um, and you, the only way I could, have, uh, could tell that somebody else was undocumented, and there was one time in the bus where I was sitting next to my friend. Um, she was in my same grade. I think we were both in ninth grade. And, um, and she was like, yeah, I can't drive. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, you and know. She's she, like, insurance is too high. Right. And I was like, but is it really? <laughs> I know that I excuse. know about that insurance. <laughs> and, you know, surely she opened up to me. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm undocumented. And I was like, whoa, me too. Um, That's one of the. I think only person I met when I was in high school that was also had uh, share my status. Um, yeah, like you said, then I went on to celebration and I was in the IB program, and it, it got even harder because when you're in these challenging programs, they expect you to have straight A's and take online classes and take AP classes and also uh, give 500 hours of your time to any particular community sure, uh, yeah. involvement, and you know you have to do all these things and. Um, and I was like, well, that's great, uh, but I obviously couldn't drive. Um, thankfully, my brother came a couple years after when I went to celebration, and he came from Peru with his driver's license. He's older than me, and um, he started taking me to, you know, my soccer games and church. And he would literally pick me up from one place, take me to the other, and then take me home. Um, until wow. one day, uh, my brother got pulled over because his tail light went off, and then, um, you know. From that point, uh, he actually faced deportation just for that, oh, wow. uh, for having a tail light off, and you know they saw that his visa was expired. Mm-hmm. And um, from that, you know, point on, my mom was like, "Well, like you can't, like we can't take you to soccer anymore. We can't, you know, take you to church anymore." Yeah. And so I really heavily relied on my good, good friends, um, <laughs> on to taking me from one place to the other. Um, you know, some of them at that point knew uh, that you know I was a and I didn't have a driver's license. A lot of times, you know, when you're in high school, you don't ask. You don't are not yeah. aware that people's immigration status matter or that mm-hmm. they will affect their lives. Uh, so a lot of times my friend wouldn't even ask. Like they're like, all right, I'll 
I'll take you home. Like, you know, cars are expensive. Like, so sure. what is it now that makes you so vocal about, you know, saying that this is my status, this is who I am, and, you know, this is what we need to do? Well, when I went to college, um, and, you know, I was a top 10 um, percent of my class, and I was awarded by features and, you know, did everything in the book. Great student. Right, 10 out of 10. Um, and I chose the University of Florida to be my home for the next four years. Which is hard to get into, hey, so congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Even though it's a sucky school. Okay, so better than FSU. <laughs> All right, oh, you boy. got me. Simmer down, you tell. <laughs> Number eight public university in the, in the nation. All right. Um, so when I got to UF, they were like, well, uh, DACA had just you know, become an executive order. People were just seeing DACA in schools. And... The University of Florida was like, well, we don't really know what to do. You have a social security, you have a driver's license, which at the point I received a driver's license because of my staff, because of DACA. And they were like, but you're technically not a permanent resident, and this is a weird line. And the UF was like, we can't really give you state tuition, which automatically removed my bright futures. And you know, it tripled my tuition, and I was like, whoa, now I went from owing like 10,000 to like, I don't know, 40,000. Yeah, 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 per year, right? Or is that um, total? So it was about so it's three thousand six. It's twelve thousand per year if okay. you're out of state compared to six thousand if you're in state. All right. So it's about uh, three times as much. And they took mm. your bright future. And they took my bright future. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, all right, so I'm at zero, um, and you know it was this huge mess with UF because professors and faculties were like, this child deserves it, um, blah, blah, blah. And like technically, we, we it doesn't say that we can't give it to her. Mm -hmm. And then administration was like, well, it doesn't say we can. And uh, we ended up passing like student government bills and the president of the university came in support of, uh, of the issue. And then at the state level, we were working with legislators um, to be able to pass a bill that would allow uh, certain undocumented students to receive an institution rate. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of those things where I remember I was packing my bag I was like, well, I have two weeks before I can drop my classes, um, and I can I can go home, and I don't owe anyone any money. Yeah. Um, and I received an email from the student who had heard my story because at that point I was knocking in everyone's office. I was like, someone help me. Yeah. Um, and the student was like, well, you know, like I worked for the senator, uh, now Congressman Soto, um, and like he says he's going to introduce this bill, blah blah blah, like. We just need to talk about it because, you know, uh, we need someone who's affected by the issue and a lot of people are scared. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I either do this or I go home. So sure. I, you know, decided to um, give it a shot. be vocal about it and give mm -hmm. it a shot. Um, and thankfully, you know, it worked out in our favor. And in 2014, we signed this institution um, bill into law um, a sh shortly a year after. And I was able to uh, come back um, to Gainesville. Um, after that, and since then, you know, once, I think once you get involved and once you start seeing how your voice can shape legislation, you know, it just makes me want to be more involved. And I've been, uh, you know, more involved ever since uh, in politics, uh, political activism. I'll tell you what, that's impressive. I've tried to change laws in this state myself. And I'm, I'm going on three yeah. years of misery and it won't happen. So the fact that that was able to happen for you yeah. does give us a little hope for our democracy. Which is uh, great, and which is why we need people like you to, you know, stand up for, for others who are afraid to come forward, because that really was a big step for you to do that, I think. Yeah, and it's actually amazing once I did come out and there were, like, different um, news from all over Florida who were publishing my story, um, a lot of people that I went to high school with were like, hey, I, I never said this, but I'm also undocumented. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I was, you know, and, then, and then I started getting all the stories from like my friends who I just never knew they, they yeah. shared this uh, 
the similar status. Um, and I think it helped them also like be more vocal and it helped, uh, to this day I see like youth who are like, yeah, you know, uh, you were very vocal about this issue and now I can go to college. And you know, ever since I've become involved in my community. Do you feel like, like, I feel like watching this on the national landscape play out, and I don't want to get too political one side or the other, I feel like both sides have really used the DACA issue as a, a bit of a pawn in a bigger game here. While you're watching this, what are you seeing? What have you noticed? And what do you think? Right, so actually today, um, the Judiciary Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, is having had a hearing this morning on DACA and TPS, right? And um, we had uh, some... Um, chair Democrats who were, uh, yes, like, this is an issue that we need to solve, blah, blah, blah. And then there's uh, the other the other party, the, the Republican side, were like, um, yes, we need to fix this, but we also want these other things that we want, mm -hmm. you know, border security. And they always want. are attaching other things. Yeah. Too. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, we, this is, this is an, a timely issue, like, uh, there is a Supreme Court um, case against DACA. And uh, DACA is currently closed. Um, we can't, thankfully, um, age out of it. Uh, but if at any point um, anyone rules, you know, against it, if the Supreme Court rules against it, then my career is terminated. <laughs> you know, um, I've already suffered enough um, when I, uh, as a biology major, whenever I wanted to do research in biology or anything, and if it's paid research by the by the government, I can't touch it. Um, there were several opportunities that I had to let go of as a STEM major uh, because I just didn't qualify because I'm not a permanent resident or a U.S. citizen. Um, I've, you know, I've had members of Congress who uh, would love to hire me, but I can't because I also cannot work for Congress. Sure. Um, well, it's the stuff you never think about. No, you don't. And but it just seems like. It's not like you're a borderline student or you're a troublemaker. It seems like the decision would be so easy for people to make. It's like, wow, you're an upstanding person. These are, you're the kind of person I want as a neighbor, or I want yeah. my kids to be friends with, or I want to be friends with. You know? Yeah, and you know, this morning in the um, in the hearing, they they mentioned there's like three fourths of Americans want this. The issue is just deciding, you know, who basically it's it's going to win it by. You know, are we just gonna pass just uh, you know, a permanent solution for undocumented youth, um, or just a permanent solution for DACA recipients. So there's, uh, I want to say, two million undoc undocumented youth, and only 800,000 that qualify for DACA. Yeah. Um, so it's just about uh, coming to a sensible conclusion between both parties. Um, unfortunately, there's, you know, now we have this fight. We're like, all right, well, if you give us DACA, if, if you want DACA, you have to give me money for the border, or you have to increase security, or you have to do this. It's and, a bargaining chip. Right. So it, it definitely takes away, like, so I'm only worthy, like, I'm basically like a poker chip. Like, you only want me because you don't care about me or my future or, you know, what I have to contribute to this society. You, you only care you want about this other thing. your other thing, and you're just using me, you know, as a little poker chip. You know, the other thing, we talked about this earlier, and as news people, we use the terms DACA and Dreamers interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Tell us why that might not be. Some people have a problem with us using Dreamers, and we didn't realize that that was a bad thing until you explained why. So, you know, we like to play this alphabet suit. It's like DACA. What, what do those letters stand for? Right, and I'll have to say I've learned a fairly amount of, uh, large amount of acronyms. <laughs> Yeah. the world of politics. Um, so when the DREAM Act was introduced originally, I want to say around 2010, um, the A in DREAM Act stood for alien. And, um, you know, and that's where the term dreamers came from because 
of the people who would benefit from the DREAM Act, right? Mm -hmm. And then as time passed, um, to this day, uh, what is it, the, a ranking member of Congress really sat there and was like, yeah, these illegals. Um, and that's just an incorrect term. Even at a federal level, I, um, I'm not a criminal, right? Yeah, I overstay illegal. my visa, yeah. like yeah. I'm not a criminal, if, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and the word alien um, to us is just as bad. Uh, we're not aliens, <laughs> uh, we're human beings. Uh, we just don't have, like we just can't mark this one checkbox that says uh, permanent resident or US citizen, right? That doesn't make us some other form of species or some other uh, type of um, homo sapiens. Like it doesn't really um, uh, makes us aliens. And so a lot of people in the community, a lot of activists have uh, taken a stand against that. Um, and also because you know this this narrative of like oh you we should only care about you if you're an excellent student, uh, well I believe that someone who maybe didn't score as high on their SAT or didn't get into UF or whatever, if they're artists and they don't you know get the spotlight because they're not going to med school or they're not going to law school, that they have the same humanity and the same decency to you know, provide for their country and provide for their community through uh, a bill that would uh, give them a permanent solution. Um, and, you know, that's another narrative, and that's what people are staying focused on the issue, which is undocumented youth. Um, because there is a lot of us who didn't qualify for DACA, right? And, okay, when DACA came out, there was actually an issue in the undocumented community that were like, should we apply for this? Because when you apply, they have your information. They know where my mom lives. They know where I live. They know, they know where I've lived yeah. for the past eight years. They know every address that I've sure. ever lived in. Um, they have so much information from me that if they really want to come get me, they could. Yeah. Um, and that was a real fear in the undocumented community, and a lot of people didn't apply to it because of that. And look at it now. Now um, our democracy is in the hands of someone who really is going against. Um, we've had DACA recipients who have been accidentally deported. Um, we've had DACA recipients who are detained on zero ground base. Um, and they are facing deportation, right? And so this fear is now real, that they've had this fear that they had five years ago. It's now, uh, it's, it's becoming a reality. Um, and so it's very hard, because now we have, you know, activists getting uh, deported and um, people who Does are very worry you? about it. I mean, you're, you're right in this. Right, you I mean, sometimes I'm sure it worries my mom. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I know the strength of my community, and um, that's hard to say. There's a really good uh, DACA recipient named Eduardo um, San Miago, I believe, in, from Georgia, who was recently deported. Um, he was a great community leader in Georgia and an advocate at the national level, and he was deported, I think, like three weeks ago. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, it's a very scary thing to uh, when I first came out and I had to tell 200 auditorium room, hey, I'm undocumented. Um, now, the fear is a slightly, has <laughs> um, gotten slightly better. Um, I'm not, you know, as scared to talk about this. And I know, you know, um, that I'm thankful that I have people like my congressman, Congressman Darren Soto, who stood up against um, Trump, the Trump administration, when he has attacked our community. And I'm sure he, him and his office uh, will stand up for me and uh, my community if something ever comes down to it. Um, so, you know, I'm thankful that I also have activists and advocates who would, I'm sure, like, go down at the ICE detention center and, like, take it down if I was um, detained. Um, but, you know, fear is very real, and it's why uh, we'd like to be inclusive of all undocumented youth and not just DACA recipients or not just, you know, dreamers. What, what do you feel about, because uh, these days there are a lot of folks who say, in fact, it, it got a large part got President Trump elected, a lot of people who say we don't want illegal 
immigrants coming into our country anymore. Do you understand that fear? What, what do you think about that? Um, so I had this a similar conversation with this. Um, there is an overwhelming amount of um, those socioeconomic uh, white folks who have seen um, jobs getting harder to get and who have seen the economy calm down. And I think what Trump did um, was put that blame not on the government, um, not on you know why uh, we got rid of like coal mines, for example, but you know he just shifted the blame to us, and for the first time they have someone to blame, and it's not our fault, but that's you know they just put the target on our head, and it's uh, we're not you know it's not like our our people, it's not like my mom or um, an undocumented person is going to be able to defend themselves as. Uh, they're not going to be able to stand up in the same way that like an American citizen would, because if we call the police, sometimes we'll get deported. Um, and that's a, a, you know, a very real thing. A lot of times people, we don't report abuse. We don't report harassment because, you know, we are scared um, that, uh, that the cops are going to turn against us. And um, it's actually that's uh, one of the 287G laws that we've seen across uh, different states. And Florida is actually thinking of introducing. I mean, they have introduced it. Um, it's in the Florida Senate. Um, and in the Florida House, I believe, uh, this bill that would basically allow cops to work with ICE. So now uh, we're going to get even a lesser chance to be able to uh, talk about, you know, if something happens in the workplace, if I'm getting harassed by my boyfriend, if um, someone's sexually assaulting anything. me, anything, I wouldn't be able to collaborate with the cops because then yeah. I'm just automatically sent to ICE. You just feel like that's just a basic right. If something, if someone has wronged you, you have the right to call, you know, cops and they have to, you know, do something about it. But you just don't think about the fact that I could also be in trouble if I call. That, it, it just, you know. Yeah. Right. It doesn't seem right. You have really opened our eyes to a lot of things that uh, I never thought about. You know, getting driver's license, getting scholarships, yeah. uh, reporting uh, crimes. Uh, you're very brave for coming on our show and talking to us about it. We appreciate it. I've, I've always wanted to talk to a doctor. You've said that for a while. No, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I really have. And uh, you're friends with one of our producers, uh, Gabby, so yes. I'm glad that uh, you were able to set it up, Mariana yeah. Castro. It's so nice to talk to you, and please keep in touch and let us know of what course. happens in the, in the future. And I, I feel like we'll be hearing a lot uh, about you and from you, because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're going to end up in politics. Yeah, you're definitely. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. How crazy would that be, I a know. senator or a Former DACA recipient. (laughs) Mariana, thank you so much for being on our show. This is Florida's Fourth Estate. My name's Matt Austin. I'm Ginger Gadsden. Have a great one. You did a great job. That was really interesting.